again, friends, and welcome on in to a Wednesday drive time installment of the SCO Show. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Wednesday, October 21st, 2020. I was literally just like staring at the date on my screen, just like couldn't process it. It's been a year. It's been a day. It's been a past couple of hours. Uh, but we are here for episode 144 of the SCO Show. We are going to Turning the page here, we are looking at the San Francisco 49ers. We're going to do two things today. In the second half of the show, we're going to talk about how to throw the ball against them. In the first half of the show, we're going to deal with George Kittle. We all know that Bill Belichick wants to take away what you do best. Well, I think this week that means taking away George Kittle. And yes, there are things to be worried about on the rest of their offense, but it starts with the tight end. So we're going to devote the first half of this show to George Kittle, where he, where he lines up, what he does, how they use him, what routes he runs, and what to expect from him. Before we do all of that, your usual cavalcade reminders. Do follow along with the hijinks on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Check out the work of a variety of places. Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio. Not one, not two, but three SB Nation websites. Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, where I co-host the QB Factory with the honorable Michael J. Kist. Of course, right here at Pat's Pulpit, where you're listening to the Sco Show. And yes, USA Today's Touchdown Wire, part of the Wire Network, doing a lot of stuff over there. I do want to plug something cool I found. I think some of you have seen this. I was curious about Isaiah Simmons. So I started watching some Cardinals defense this week on film. And I noticed that a lot of the times when Simmons was on the field, it was in sub-package situations, third and lawn situations. And Arizona was using a personnel grouping of zero Six, five. That's zero down linemen, six linebackers, and five defensive backs. Now, a caveat to that is Simmons, you count him as a linebacker, that gets you to six. Or if you want to just be nerdy about it, it's zero, five, six, and we'll say Simmons is a defensive back. But either way, it was an interesting package. So I did a video montage, video cut-up breakdown. Uh, you can see it over at USA Today, breaking down how they use it, how Simmons works into that, what they accomplish with it. It's pretty cool stuff. Not a lot of teams are using it. I saw Tampa Bay, and I think Doug Farrar is working on this over at Touchdown Wire. Against the Packers this week, they used a lot of one five five, you know, with one down lineman, Dominic and Sue at the nose tackle spot. And then either a 155 or a 146. And they did that on like third and five situations. So some cool stuff we're seeing from some defensive coordinators, Todd Bowles, Vance Joseph. Uh, but let's talk about George Kittle. Um, because the Patriots have a game that they need to win now against the San Francisco 49ers this weekend. And of course, the big talk will be the Garoppolo Bowl. But if you're listening to the show, you know I don't really care about the outside noise. I'm worried about the stuff between the lines. And that's why we start with George Kittle. The guy is dangerous, period, full stop. One of the most dangerous yak players in the league. And part of that is due to what he gets from Jimmy Garoppolo, a quick release, good ball placement in the short area. Yardage after the catch is a quarterback stat, and that is an area where Garoppolo excels. Something like 226 of his 256 passing yards, rough numbers off the top of my head, were yardage after the catch last week against the Rams. And so tackling is going to be critical. But let's talk about Kittle. And let's start with some alignment data. Generally speaking, they line him up all over the place. He's seen the field by my chart in 271 snaps. Most of that is in some sort of tight alignment. 
93 snaps in a tight alignment to the left, 118 snaps in a tight alignment to the right. You will see him in the slot. He had 16 of those in a slot alignment to the left, another 30 in a slot alignment to the right. He's been out wide, four wide to the left, four wide to the right, and even in the backfield, six backfield snaps this year. But that's overall. When they've thrown the ball, you're really talking about him in that sort of tight alignment. 47%, I mean, excuse me, 41% of their passing plays have been when he is in a tight alignment to the left, 110. 37%, 100 snaps, tight alignment to the right. If there is a second most hot area, hottest area in terms of picturing it as a heat map, it's the right slot, 34 passing snaps in the right slot, 13% of his passing snaps. What does he do in terms of routes run? Well, the most he's done in terms of what he's run, out routes, 19 sort of out routes this year, followed by, believe it or not, hitches or curls. You're talking about, I think, 18 of those I charted them with. Then, of course, the over stuff, the stuff breaking to the middle of the field. You're talking drag routes, right? He's got a bunch of those, 15 of those. Over routes, the deeper stuff, 12 of those. And then, of course, up the seams, 14 plays where he ran a seam route. And so that's kind of how they use him. They'll line him up anywhere, but mostly in some sort of tight alignment or in the slot. And they'll use him on a variety of routes. You know, he's run some goes, he's run some corners, he's run some slants. They've done some screen stuff with him. But it's mostly your out, your hitch, your seam, your over, your dig, your drag. Like, that's kind of how they use him. And so if you picture who on the Patriots' defense might match up with that kind of route tree, what names come to mind? Well, maybe Stephon Gilmore. I mean, you might start to think about what we saw last year against the Philadelphia Eagles in the Zach Ertz situation. You might also think, yeah, maybe Juwan Williams, maybe Kyle Duggar. I'm still having nightmares about Albert O running the crossing route against Kyle Duggar last week where Kyle Duggar looked just simply flat-footed. So you start thinking about matchups in that way and in terms of how they use him based on the numbers. But let's talk about a couple of examples. Um, I'm going to be doing some video stuff over at Pat's Pulpit so you can follow along with this when that piece goes up. Uh, but I want to break down just a handful of plays to talk about how they use him. A couple of examples from the Rams game just this past week. First and 10, first quarter, 12-30 mark. 49ers come out with Garoppolo under center, 11 personnel. You've got Kittle, you know, off the line in a wing to the right with a receiver outside of him. He chips, and they just throw tight end screen to him. You get a convoy of blockers. You're going to get the right tackle gets in front of him. Center gets in front of him, and he picks up 18 yards, 24 of which are after the catch. So he catches it behind the line of scrimmage. But he gets you 24 yards it's an 18-yard game, but 24 yards of yak. So there you go. And then, of course, the fourth and two touchdown. He is in a Y-ISO alignment. 
It's 11 personnel, shotgun formation, trips to the left, Y-ISO. He's alone on the right. He's going to be running his route against a corner. The Rams do an interesting job here of disguising this. They're in a 3-3-5 look. They keep a cornerback on George Kittle. Williams, a 5'8", 187 corner. Matched up against, yes, George Kittle, 6'3", 250. And he's going to run a slant route. If you're Jimmy Garoppolo and you see man coverage, which he gets, it's a cover zero blitz, no safety in the middle of the field, and you need two yards on fourth and two, you're going to throw a slant route to your 6'3", 250-pound tight end, running a slant route against a 5'8", 187 corner. I mean, to put this in terms so those who know me might understand it more, that's basically me out there at corner. I'm currently around 5'9", 190. I am not covering George Kittle and preventing a slant route. Now, what's more amazing about this play is the timing, the rhythm, and the placement from Garoppolo where he expects to get the first down. He gets a touchdown because Williams misses the tackle and he outruns everybody else. Play against Miami, even though they lost that game. And this is a lot of what they will do with him. This is a second and three situation. This is when C.J. Beathard is in the game. This is a second and three, third quarter, 826 mark. He is aligned at a wing to the right. Play action outside zone look, boot left, and he runs the sort of under drag where he comes behind the line of scrimmage and releases to the flat. Simple, easy throw. You show flow to one side and you drag him across away from the flow of the play. Sunday night game against the Eagles. Third and six situation, second quarter, 245. He's aligned inside in the slot. You have a receiver outside of him who comes in motion. That's Bourne who comes in motion, and they will eventually get into a tight alignment with Kittle on the outside on the line of scrimmage and Bourne just inside of him. And it's a rub concept where Kittle runs basically a go route against a press defender while Bourne runs a whip route, starts inside on a slant, whips back out to the boundary. This route is over within two steps because of the release and the way that Kittle beats press. And he's working against a corner, 5'8", 195, a 5'8", 195 corner. LeBlanc from the Philadelphia Eagles. They will use him in a number of different ways. They will design ways to get him open. When Garoppolo is at his best, it's when he knows where he's going with the football before the snap. It's when the expectations pre-snap do not change post-snap. And he can make a quick, accurate throw with his quick release. And in many ways, that first look is going to be in George Kittle's direction. So if you're Bill Belichick, if you're Steve Belichick this week, that has to be job one. Regardless of where George Kittle aligns, and the alignment data tells us something, 
regardless of what route he runs. And the route data tells us something. You have to take him away first. If the rest of the guys, Debo, Ayuk, Bourne, if they come in and they beat you, okay, you tip your hat, call him your daddy. If you let George Kittle beat you, knowing all of this, knowing how dangerous he is, knowing the different ways that Kyle Shanahan wants to scheme that first read open, knowing that Garoppolo is at his best when that first read is open and he can make a quick, accurate throw with that quick snap release, if you lose to that, that's a you problem. So that's George Kittle looking him up next. How to throw against the San Francisco 49ers. That is ahead here in episode 144 of the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 144 of the Sco Show and talking about how to throw against San Francisco. And I know there's a lot of consternation about the passing game right now. There are debates over whether receivers were open or not and whether Cam struggled or not. And rather than wade into that, I'm just going to point you in the direction of Evan Lazar because he did a good job this week, I thought, of sort of breaking down the Patriots passing game, the opportunities that were there, the mistakes that were made, the ways to clean it up. And as I said after the show on Sunday, I'm turning the page. I'm, I'm just turning the page to, I almost said Cincinnati, out of force a habit to San Francisco. And so I want to talk about how to throw against San Francisco. And as I do when I start to put together game plan type scripts, game plan type shows, game plan type pieces, I start with what's worked against this team. And now a simple answer is this. Anytime you see number 46 on the field, you throw the ball in his direction. That is cornerback Brian Allen, who currently is on the practice squad, but he was pressed into action against Miami. Those of you who have listened to this show or know my work know I typically don't go negative on somebody, so I'm just going to say this. That poor dude probably has nightmares about that Miami game. Because anytime Ryan Fitzpatrick walked to the line of scrimmage, he did two things. He saw who was covering, I mean, who Brian Allen was covering, and he saw where Brian Allen was on the field. And then he did a third thing. He threw in that direction. I mean, he was just basically saying, go deep, you're going to beat this guy. It was bad. Now, he's, again, on the practice squad right now, but if he gets called up and is in action, Cam, find 46. So that's the first thing that jumps out. The other thing is this. As I said, I always look at plays that were successful. The 49ers passing game, pass defense, has given up 10 plays of 44, I mean, excuse me, 44 plays of 10 yards or more. Now let's break those numbers down a bit. Just seven were some kind of man coverage. Cover zero, cover one. Math would tell us, and the chart backs it up. The other 34, excuse me, the rest of them, <laughs> I just screwed up the math. The other 37 of those came in zone coverage situations. So we're going to need some zone beaters this week. Now, particularly what kind of zone beaters? So I think the two coverages you want to have plays ready for are cover three and cover four. Of these plays that went for 10 yards or more, 14 of them were cover three, 12 of them were cover four. Let's start with cover four first. I want to see a lot of dagger and mills. 
Because there are examples of them giving up huge plays against these kinds of concepts. We've got a vertical and a dig underneath it. First example comes from the Miami game. This is a play that comes third quarter, 448. And you get basically dagger. Empty formation, three to the left, two to the right. Inside receiver runs the vertical. Outside two receivers from that trips, they run in cuts. So you know double China 7 where you get the two in cuts in a corner. There's a little variation of it. You get the two in cuts and you get the vertical. Cover four look. That vertical bends to the middle of the field to attack the open space. Splits the safeties. Easy read, easy throw, touchdown. And what happens on this play is even though you get that middle of the field runner in a cover four look, that linebacker drops, he has to pass off the vertical to come down on the dig so it really opens things up nicely. So I want that in the playbook. Now people might, might ask me, hey, Mark, well, that's all well and good. What happens if they're actually in cover three in that situation? Well, it's pretty easy. Now you can still work that same vertical route in concept. Now you've got a single high safety perhaps split in it. He stays vertical. You throw the dig in front of him. He somehow crashes down on the dig, you throw the vertical over his head. It works out the same way as sort of Mills or Yankee. You know, especially if you've got, you know, the freedom as that dig route to stay a little deeper, you get behind the second level defenders. So that's how that would sort of work out if you end up getting cover three rather than cover four. Another thing that I noticed, some cover four stuff that worked from Arizona back in week one, they did some mirrored two-man flood stuff or some mirrored curl, curl, you know, flat stuff. Because when you're getting cover four on the boundary, that basically sets up like man coverage. You know, you're just, you know, playing with different leverage, but you're trying to force stuff to the middle of the field, but you don't have safety help over the top. And so those curls, those outs, those routes set up well. I mean, there's a great example, uh, second quarter, 927 mark, where they've got basically mirrored curl flat. Although DeAndre Hopkins, he looks to be running more of an out, I'd say. But either way, it's the same sort of concept. The corner doesn't have safety help over the top, so he has to respect vertical threats. Gives it a bit of a cushion. You break that off in front of him. It's an easy read and an easy throw. You know, so some curls, some comebacks, some mirrored curl flat or mirrored flood stuff. And then with Dagger or Mills, you know, those are two ways I think you can sort of beat cover four. As for cover three, well, we've talked about one already, Mills, Yankee, high-low, that middle-of-the-field safety. You know, that, that's one that we've talked about a lot here on this show and elsewhere. I think you can also just simply go verts. You know, they've given up some vertical plays. One of those, Miami game, first quarter, 13-37, it's, it was against Brian Allen. Um but vertical routes, similar to what we were just talking about with cover four, corners don't have safety help over the top. You can run four verticals. If you get, you know, cover three, single high, you work the two inside verticals, move the safety to one, throw to the other. If you've got the freedom and ability to convert those on the boundary to comeback routes, it sets up just like we were talking about with cover four. Corners can't give you have to respect the deep stuff because there's no help over the top. You can break routes off in front of them, time and rhythm throws, all that stuff. One other example, one other play I want to talk about is pout, post out. Uh, Jets ran it, fourth quarter, 307 for a big play against San Francisco. Corner has to hand on the post longer than he'd like to make sure he's passing it off to the free safety. 
So you run that from the outside receiver, inside receiver runs that deep out. As that corner exits, you enter that zone with the out route. It's a nice way to sort of set that up. It's sort of an exit enter concept, which I've written about. You flood the zone, pull a defender out of it, and then come back into it with a different receiver. That always works well with cover three. Uh, post wheel is another way to do it. Outside receiver runs the post, pulls the corner inside guy, runs the wheel where he releases the flat, then breaks up. You should have a window to hit that. That's another route concept I think will work when they're in cover three to attack those corners. And so post wheel, pout, um, those are route concepts I think will work. Post wheel we can call peel. And then just straight four verticals. You know, bracket that middle of the field safety, throw off of what he does. Then, of course, your high lows, your mills, your Yankees, stuff like that. They should be able to throw against this defense. And they'll have had a week of practice to get things right. We talk about get right games in this league. We talk about get right games in the space. I think the Philadelphia Eagles have one Thursday night, a get right opportunity against the Giants. I think the New England Patriots offense has a get right game on the schedule here against the San Francisco 49ers defense. Robert Soleil. He's facing some questions now about that defense. A lot of people thought he was your next head coach candidate. Maybe sort of hurt him, you know, with the Niners getting to the Super Bowl. Didn't get an opportunity to go on some interviews. Uh, But that defense is facing some questions. I think there are some opportunities in front of the Patriots offense this week. I think they could take advantage of them, even with the talent they have in the room. I know there have been questions about weapons and things like that. There were opportunities. Again, look at Evans' piece. There were opportunities to make throws in the passing game. They just didn't take advantage of them. So we'll keep our fingers crossed we get a glorious victory edition of the Sco Show. Been a while, but we'll keep our fingers crossed we get one late, you know, Sunday night, Monday morning. That will do it for me, friends. Stay safe. Check in on your loved ones. Check in on your neighbors. Wash those hands. And when you do, sin along. And bless those Patriots reigns down in Florida.